Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to episode... 39 of the Driven Chat Podcast. 39. We're, we're rapidly going up those numbers. I guess that's to be expected week by week. This is the voice of John Marker. Hello. Good to be in your ears once again. And I'm very pleased to say, because we missed him last week, he wasn't here. Here is the voice of Andy J. Hello. 39. We're approaching middle age. I know. Alarming. So does that mean we can start having a crisis and start buying Harley Davidsons and things? <laughs> well, actually, I remember speaking, I'm going to drop a big name here, but, but you know, we've featured him quite a bit. Richard Hammond spoke to me on yes. the other pod, the AJ pod, and he, what is he, 52 now? Yeah. He had a real issue about, he sort of claimed he had a proper midlife crisis moment. Ah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, well, I mean, he, he owns all the cars and all the bikes already, doesn't he? So. <laughs> He's got warrant. I think. I think if you've got the ability to start buying those, yeah, you know, those cars and bikes you've always wanted, it's fine. It's fine. Me and okay. my mates, we've got. A, we've got a saying. We call it the whole life crisis because, as far as we were concerned, <laughs> we started buying very unnecessary, whimsical things when we were all teenagers, and it hasn't stopped. And I don't think it's ever going to stop. So, whole life crisis is the way I'm going. You see, you say that, John, but you're in the advantage position of being a lot younger than me, therefore not having to fund other human beings true shall we say true and and that does slightly change how you can spend yeah and the sort of things you have to buy like i have a massive tank now because of all my children <laughs> which i love it's great but it's not necessarily something i'd show up for a track day in that said what let's pretend in a fantasy land we are we are both 
uh, late 40s. Okay? okay, let's go late 40s. Yeah. And therefore, financially, the human beings that we might have to fund are maybe old enough to, to be working side jobs or something. So we don't have to earn yeah. quite as much money to spend exclusively on them. Yeah. And, and we are going to buy either a midlife crisis automobile or a midlife crisis bike. Okay. What what do you buy? Oof. I'm going to give you a budget. I'm going to give you, well, we're going late 40s. Let's say 47. So I'm giving you 47 grand, up to 47 grand to spend. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going to go for, um, I mean, they're ridiculously overpriced now, but they are within that price bracket. But I'm going for a BMW 850ci, the 1990s shape, which was a, a bit of a dream car as a child. And then I unfortunately missed out on that gap when they were basically about £3,000. Uh, didn't buy one of those. That was about five years ago. And now they're ridiculous money. It's a poster car, though, John. I, yeah. For some reason, when I think of that car, and there I, I probably isn't, but I, I think of like a Hollywood person. Was it used in a movie as a sort of like, you know, uh, the cool detective's car or something? Okay. It's, it's not. It doesn't come to mind, but I know exactly what you're saying. It, it's, it fits into that category. It's a bit like the old... Um, 500 SL Mercedes, super yeah. cool looking, sleek, very 1990s. And in fact, it was a bit of a flop when it came out because firstly, there was a global recession. But secondly, it, it just kind of, there were so many other cars on the market that were just a bit better as a GT car. And it wasn't really a GT car, but it wasn't also a sports car. It just kind of sat in the middle. But now it's become really, really cool and ludicrously overpriced. And that makes it a perfect midlife crisis car, in my opinion. Yeah. That's, that's a and great And it would have choice. to be purple, techno-violet purple, <laughs> because that was a colour. They, they produced it in it. It looks fab. So, yeah. Go on, then. What, what about you? Right. Well, obviously, my default is always going to be 911, but that, that's not a midlife crisis car. That's a, that's a must-own car. So I'm thinking, how much of a Cobra could I get for, for 47 grand? I could definitely get a really, really killer replica that you would get sound a pretty amazing. good kit. Yeah. 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 That's a good midlife crisis car. <laughs> If, I mean, it feels like a midlife crisis car, doesn't it? You know, that's very midlife crisis. That's, well, that's what I was trying to think. Yeah. What's a stereotypical yeah. midlife crisis car? I, you know, I'm not going to go down the Morgan route. It's not really my vibe. But I could, yeah, a, yeah. a killer Cobra with a massive set of pipes on it. I think they look really cool. It's the kind of thing you can imagine. Oh, look, it's a lazy Sunday. I'll polish the Cobra. You know, you could source it. Oh, that's actually that sounded a little bit saucy. That's not what I meant. I meant I'll go out and use some some of that stuff that Paul Cowlin's always vlogging on his Instagram account and make it all shiny. So yeah, that that I think would be. A, a pretty appropriate midlife crisis car. It looks pretty sexy. It's going to sound amazing, and I can't fit all my family in it. Perfect, perfect. All the ticks, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> Done. Trouble is, everyone knows it's a replica. So that's yeah. that's my that's my setback. With the it, thing is, you know? I think it's all it's all right to have a replica because this has been a, a, to a talking topic on a few of our podcasts up to now. In fact, the GTO engineering episode a few weeks ago, we we covered this briefly about the danger of having cars that are pretending to be cars that they're not. I think the crucial rule is just don't pretend. You, you know, it, yeah. it's cool to have a cool car that looks really cool. It's, yeah, it's fine to have an AC Cobra replica. Just don't tell people it's an AC Cobra. Tell people it is a replica, and then it's fine. That's it. Yeah, yeah. See, see it as a kit car, you're in good shape. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, I do have an alternative, actually, John. I would, and I think 47 grand would probably get you a really quite cool secondhand one. I would love an Atom. Oh, an yeah, Atom. that's cool. 
That would be fun. That I mean, that's a proper midlife crisis. It's only crisis midlife crisis. That's an only a midlife crisis purchase if you absolutely have no intention of going anywhere near a track day. Then, it, <laughs> then it's a massive midlife crisis car. If you buy it to do track days, then that's not a midlife crisis car. But if you buy it because oh, no, you want to turn up to, to. caffeine machine so, or this... somewhere just to be seen in it, then that's a crisis. That's a big oh, crisis. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. You know, I actually wouldn't really want to be seen in it because it'd be very <laughs> cold going down motorways and stuff. I'd like to sand dune in it. Yeah. Oh, so you want the Nomad? Yes, I do. Probably yeah. like the Nomad. Yeah. And the, yeah. but the luxury of those is, of course, it, it is very uh, it's very accepted to wear a full face crash helmet because you do get blasted by bugs and stones and things whilst driving along the roads. You can you can you could drive it wearing a full face crash helmet, and then you don't have the risk of going. Oh look, there's Andy J having a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, even even younger than us, the youngest member of the team, as a, a few observant listeners may have noticed, Amy's not with us for for this section of the podcast. She's not here for the intro, but she is with us for the duration of our interview, which is, of course, with the wonderful Tom Wookie Ford. You've probably seen that in the in the bio already. Um, but yeah, so um, Amy Shaw fans, hold tight. She is coming very very shortly. A- Amy's miles and miles off of a midlife crisis, so she's. She's all right. But ironically, she has been rocking around recently in some very, very fitting midlife crisis cars. But of course, you know, being being a young blonde woman, it, uh, you can just kind of get away with it. It's fine. Thing is, with the E-Type that you're talking about, Purple Haze, which is a really, really, really cool E-Type, to be mm. fair. I mean, show me an E-Type that isn't a cool one, to be fair. They're all glorious, but the purple one's particularly special. But that as a midlife crisis, you'd also have to be doing staggeringly well for yourself. True. You're having a midlife crisis and you're a hedge fund manager True. or something. True. You could always, I suppose you could get the series three, which is like the ugly one. The last edition <laughs> with the massive. What's the tool. point? Well, yeah, because it's the one you can afford, but only just. Therefore, midlife crisis. <laughs> now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna bring, to bring the tone down a, a tiny bit, just to a quite a sad level, really, because I think it's important that we, we reference the fact that we've lost two hugely significant people in the motorsport world within the past yeah. seven days from when we're recording this this intro. The first, of course, at the weekend, so by the time you're listening to this, it'll be last weekend, if you're listening in real time, we lost the legend that was Murray Walker, the voice of Formula One to multiple generations. I can remember being a toddler and hearing Murray Walker's voice all the way up through to my teenage years, he was a massive part of, of F1, um, an absolute icon. And although I never met him, I don't know if you did, Andy, but uh, everyone that I speak to that worked with him, met him, been around him, I just poured out how much of a, a legend he was. So, yes, a, a massive loss and, and very, very sad to see that. Did you ever work with Murray for any of your motorsport escapades? Extremely briefly. Um, you know, only the, only sort of a very brief um, encounter with him, but but one that will stay with me. What a, what an incredible man! And, mm. and certainly, a lot of the people that I've worked with have worked with him extensively and, and and knew him very very well. Yeah. And actually, you know, they've taken the loss. I mean, I was gutted as as is the whole kind of motorsport community, rightly so. But the people that I know that knew him well have, and this is a mark of the man, really, have taken the loss like it's like losing family. Mm. You know, he was that he was that good a guy. And actually, the only thing I'll say about it, because, of course, there's been plenty of very fitting tributes and excellent words said and written and thought. The only thing I would add to it um, is that it is extremely rare when a commentator, a presenter, a broadcaster, whatever, is as important or more important than a driver, Mm, a team. Absolutely. You know, for me, he was an enormous pull. 
to F1 in, in my youth and beyond. And he sustained, you know, whereas drivers come and go, you get a few seasons with them and teams mm. succeed and fail. He was consistent and he was consistently brilliant. And he made the race, even a dull race, was great mm. with Murray on the mic. And yeah, he's he'll be an enormous loss. I know we haven't heard him commentating properly for a, for a while now, but nonetheless, there was still this presence about yeah, him. Yeah. You know, he was he was motorsports David Attenborough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a very, very fair analogy. Absolutely. Yeah. But then, of course, yeah. we have got another loss, which which has hit me a little bit harder. We've, co- of course, lost the, the legend that is Sabine Schmidt, the queen of the Nürburgring. Of course, the, the Nürburgring for me is a community of people that I've been attending six or seven times a year since I was in my teenage years, as soon as I had a driver's license effectively to enable me to drive to the Nürburgring. I remember going much to my dad's dismay. And Sabine has always been one of the people that's been in and around that community. She was first seen, I think, by the vast majority of people in the world on Top Gear, where she did that very famous episode with Jeremy Clarkson driving an S-type Jag, and she was driving in a uh, transit van trying to beat his time. And I think that kind of planted her on the radar. But but before that, and, and in and around the Nürburgring community of people, which again is, whilst it's still an awful lot of people, it's it's close knit in the in the sense that everybody kind of knows everybody. There's only a degree of separation between one or two people. And uh, yeah, Sabine, I was lucky enough to meet a few times throughout my time of going to the Nürburgring, and she's always been such a huge, huge legend. And yes, she sadly lost her battle, battle to cancer last week, which is which is just tre- tremendously sad and, and far too young, um, far too much of a talent, far too young. Um, yeah, just a terrible loss so uh, yeah i'd like just wanted to mention those two absolute heroes two two heroes in a in different parts of the same world and uh i'm sure i echo the comments and and the 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 thoughts of everyone in the motoring world that's listening to this and and has also paid their own tributes on social media etc it's uh, it is very very sad and may they yeah. may they both rest in peace no you're absolutely right and um yeah and on the shabine you know 51 it's, oh, it's, it's just no age it's absolutely criminal yeah so so sad and and she was somebody that that brightened up the screen in fact she's she was one of those ladies whose whose name alone carried smiles and weight mm. and was impressive you know you say sabine schmidt and people immediately go she's so cool the mm. queen of the ring and, she, and you think of that radiating warmth and that smile and that energy and that never say die attitude and the pure thoroughbred racer that she was uh yeah absolutely Absolutely devastating news on, mm. on both counts, and I'm, and I'm glad you you flagged them up, John, because it's um it's right and appropriate that we do. Yeah. Um, John, just sort of move on. I don't want to sort of just go change gear and oh happy happy again, but but you know the podcast is is obviously here and ready to rock. You've mentioned you and Amy are in conversation with someone cool, and it is someone very cool. I was properly jealous <laughs> about this conversation. It was one I was really looking forward to having, and then obviously my um my private life got in the way and uh, yes. babies and so on. So <laughs> tell us, tell us about the man they, they call Wookie. Indeed. Yes. Tom Wookie Ford. Tom is, uh, a, again, a disclaimer out from the beginning. Tom is a friend. Uh, Tom and I've known each other for a few years now and we seem to find ourselves getting to all sorts of scrapes whenever we see each other socially um, to the point that it can get quite disastrous. And you'll hear that in the podcast. I think, <laughs> I think there's possibly... 30% chat about Tom's actual career and the rest is oh do you remember when this happened but I hope it's not <laughs> I hope it's not too chummy I'm, I think I think it's going to be quite an entertaining listen for a lot of people and it will probably trigger a follow-up episode I think we alluded to that at the end of our recording uh, with Amy and I talking to Tom we said you know we need to do this in person as well because there's there's clearly a lot of Tom's career that we can still unfold 
but yeah, Tom, he's he's best known, I think, for most people as uh, being one of the presenters on Fifth Gear. But if you consume magazine media, he is, of course, the associate editor of BBC Top Gear magazine, which is huge. That is like the go-to car magazine here in the UK. Um, and of course, if you're listening from America, you'll know that he was a presenter for a, a good stint of time on Top Gear America. So he's, yeah, he's, that's, and that's that's huge. People forget that. Yeah, you know, everyone thinks yeah. of Top Gear as, as Clarkson, Hammond and May, and obviously now uh, Flintoff and Co. But actually, you know, Top Gear America's massive as well. It is. It is a huge show. It really is. So yeah, he's Tom is loved worldwide. Um, a fantastic writer. Uh, there is again a bit like when we spoke to Alex Goy a few weeks ago on the the journalism episode with Alex Goy. Um, we talk a lot about anyone that has the interest in getting into the industry as journalists. There's there's a, a good kind of a bit of insight here as well in this episode. And Tom shares a fantastic story, uh, an anecdote about editing Jeremy Clarkson's work, which is great. So uh, yeah, I, I do think you are going to enjoy this episode. It's um, it's a good bit of fun. And uh, I think there's going to be plenty more from Tom in the future on the Driven Chat podcast. Shall we jump in the sober chat? And then hopefully the follow-up will be six, six pints in. You know, let's, let's have that in a few weeks' time. The designated driver podcast, or the, the non-designated <laughs> driver podcast, we could call it. That's it, the, the staying in podcast. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Okay, let's do it. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. And here is this week's guest, Mr. Tom in speech bubbles, Wookie Ford. Hello, Tom Ford. Hello, you two. How are you getting on? All right. How are you? I feel like this is the first time we've met, which it isn't. It's just weird looking at you on a little screen. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. Socially distanced. Yes. John, is your entire kitchen made of, of pale IKEA plywood? It's, uh, it, yeah. Because that's pretty, what I'm looking at. It's a pretty unexciting environment. Yeah, it's not a lot of imagination. It's typical new build apartment. And you can imagine the all of the kitchen cupboard parts came out of a big warehouse of which shade of beige should we pick? Uh, let's go with that shade of beige. And they've made their but way. But haven't you this. lot got a big truck, a big cool truck? Well, that we you have, go around doing this stuff in. We yeah. have got an enormous big truck, uh, but that is at the moment parked up in a hangar somewhere because, of course, due to this lovely ongoing pandemic, we have to fill out so many different little white boxes of health and safety and precautions and driver swabs and tests. It's it's just easier to leave it parked up. So yeah, at the moment we are we are remote. We are talking to you in uh, in my apartment and and you in what looks like a home office. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
This is, yeah, this is my home office and part-time kennel. Uh, Frank, my dog, is by my side, uh, keeping me company. We've just been on a big walk. We've just actually snapped some bits off our Land Rover that we broke off yesterday. Aha. So uh, we will be going back to fit. You're in, you're in mid-fix at the moment uh, of us trying to plastic weld um, the under tray on a Land Rover Discovery Sport. Now, I did so, see this. Right. I, I saw on your Instagram there was a, a, a part of a car in your hand. That definitely shouldn't have yes, been in your it hand. Fell, it fell off during consumer testing. Aha. So, testing. Uh, Got it. It was testing. Very, very testing at the time. <laughs> but um, I I'm, I'm, haven't decided whether you can see it when you walk up to it and whether I'll just zip tie it with a drill or whether I've got to fix it properly. But let's not tell Land Rover no. and then no one will find out. <laughs> no, because by the time this goes out, Land Rover will have forgotten all about it. In fact, I also put it on Twitter, which was a really <laughs> stupid thing to do. <laughs> but sometimes I, it's worth it's worth having a laugh about. And it, it was it was a sacrificial part anyway, because I don't I think it was supposed to come off to tell you that you were reaching the limits of the travel. That's what I right. think it Got was it. for. That so the cracking sense. noise actually says that's enough anymore and it will properly break the car. It's like a warning sign, but in the cracking sound. That's exactly right. We all know that Land Rovers do fall, you know, bits of Land Rovers will fall off and it won't affect the car at all. Yep. You know this. Have oh, you got an, you've got an old Land Rover. I, yes, I have. I, I've driven it today and, yep, very rattly. Things fall off and you just think, oh, it's it's not that broken. I can still move. And then you just carry on, really. Actually, I, did, I was watching you two doing... Um, you tested the new Defender, we didn't did. you? We did. We did. We had that. But how December. come John got the new Defender and you got your car? Why? Why did he get? I can the, answer the that. Flashy <laughs> I can answer Seventy thousand pound Defender. I can answer that. In a few, he was in a few short words. I knew that social distancing meant that you weren't going to get a go, and he was going to do all the testing. Yeah, which I'm a bit frustrated about. We're going there, John. Why? Why did it end up that way round? Uh, because I hate old Defenders, <laughs> and I know that every time wow. I say this, I get. A lot of attention online. It's People strong. are like, oh, that's I, not I very don't fair. fit in them. That's my problem. I don't, actually, no, I, I, let me retract my statement. I don't hate old Land Rover Defenders, but I do not find them a pleasurable place to be as a driver. I don't fit. I have to open the driver's side window for me to fit so that my elbow can hang out. And that's fine if it's a hot, sunny summer's day. But if it's cold and raining, it's a bit miserable. Um, it's because they're ergonomically terrible well it was designed <laughs> as far as i can work out it, it's a it's a platform that was designed for a farmer who's about four foot six in 19 the late 1950s <laughs> and now that it's 2021 and i'm six foot one and a little bit wider than a 1950s farmer um i just don't fear i don't understand how so many people quite happily trundle up and down in them when they are actual adult sizes luckily for amy she's you know you're a slender i was gonna say i love the the long journeys that i end up doing Ooh. in the defender i mean maybe not so much the motorway ones because the canvas roof is is not not the most fun to drive with no. but when you've got it rolled up no. and you're driving it in the summer or not even in the summer like warm spring and you're like oh this is glorious <laughs> It's so nice. Yeah, as long as you're doing less than 10 miles, <laughs> then it's glorious. I thought you were going to say, as long as you're doing less than 10 miles, miles an, an hour. Because that, for me, Yeah, that's also thing. true. And you're talking, so I used to have series Land Rovers. Mm -hmm. Right. And I found that sort of my hips would 
gently fit the door gaps and, you know you'd, you'd fit the car in a kind of jelly mold way you know you pop the door open you've got like a ridge around your rib cage where the door's poked into it you but that's the kindness i love land rovers but they, they are not great things for tooling around in no. that's why jeeps and stuff are so much better mm. if you actually want to drive somewhere that's not on your immediate farmland yeah but I, but I know, I just thought it was funny that John, being John, ended up with the seventy five grand uh, Land Rover, yeah. the working Land Rover, mm-hmm. and you had to pot around the fields in in what I suspect was your car. It's your car. It's isn't my it? car. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I was live. <laughs> well, I think I broke it slightly on 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 that hill, that Dunlop Hill. Did you? It, only a little bit. Oh. It was a bit sad for the next few days, and oh, had to dear. have it. Um... Is it still moving? Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, it's still, Are you alive? I'm, I'm alive and it's moving. Then and it's, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Well, this is what we're going back to what we're saying. Is, as long as it's still moving, every I don't think anybody has a Land Rover where absolutely everything works perfectly if it's older than like two years old. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a bit no, too no, mean. I'd say, well, the brand new 2020 Defender that I had, I don't think you witnessed this, but we it, it developed a fault where you know how every seat has a sensor now so if you put a heavy bag on your passenger seat or in your rear seat panics the car the dashboard says oh somebody's not got their seatbelt on uh this or a dog or a dog or anything you know (laughs) this defender for whatever reason would decide at the most inconvenient times like when you're doing 70 miles an hour down the m5 that there's a passenger in the back seat all of a sudden when there's not there's nobody there's nothing literally (laughs) nothing on the seat but of course but that's like a horror movie it is It's suddenly somebody's in the back seat I would, and they're going to put a knife to your throat. Well, <laughs> it's the automotive horror movie. You just I, I, it. I wouldn't, yeah, the suspense or, or concern that some sort of phantom is about to stab me isn't as disturbing as the repetitive ping <laughs> that comes to the dashboard to go, ping, somebody in the back seat, ping, put your seatbelt on, ping, and you think, oh, surely it's going to stop after two or three minutes. It's it chucky. Doesn't. So you have to stop oh, at a service station to plug in the rear seatbelt for no reason at all to then carry on. Too many electronics. But that doesn't happen in Amy's car because she's only got four wires. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah, four wires. And two, two of those are the headlights and two of the ignition. <laughs> and that's it. Exactly. So and Actually, the front and rear lights are wired together, aren't they? So it's just one circuit. That's the, But that's the joy of it. Yeah. yeah, I think one of my my front indicators is now a, a, a tiny little terrarium. I have a lovely little ecosystem <laughs> going on inside one of them. It's, you know, it's great. But what's living in it, Amy? Have well, you looked? Like, it's like moss, and it looks quite lovely when when you when you look closely to it. And I just thought, I'll just leave it there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, until you switch the indicators on, and then the burning sun that is trapped in the lens with it all cooks it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, that's, this is a, this is a, a bit of philosophy for us. Are we all? Is the world as we know it just a a Lucas plastic light bulb interior? Are we just inside? In God's it? Land Rover. God's Land Rover Defender. <laughs> There's a thought for you. Well, it could well be. It could well be. There's worse things, except it'd just feel weird, wouldn't it? It You know. Right, look at this. We're almost 10 minutes in. I keep looking at my own hair. (laughs) I wish we could do this not on video. Well, the the good thing is it's audio only. So um, the audience will will have to imagine your... Lockdown locks. I don't care about the audience. I'm worried that my hair's outgrown my head. Well, that's okay. I'm also receding more than I thought, and I hadn't noticed until... Until my hair grew on a FaceTime call. <laughs> well, um, look at me! I look like Christy the Clown. <laughs> I do a bit, actually. Yeah. You 
just put put a bit of bit of gel in it or something. I'm sure it looked. I did well. I look like my dog. That's what I do. I look like. I look like, <laughs> like my own dog. But he didn't grow to look like me. I look like him now. It's like lockdown dog face. <laughs> Spending so much time with your dog, you start to look like them. It's true. They do say that, don't they? Now, Tom, look, we're ten minutes into this, and we've barely spoken about you, uh, who you are as a as a professional. So, can I have a go at? Um, listing through some of the accolades that you've done and then you can go oh you've missed this one this one this one and this if i can remember i've done a lot of drugs so so just in case we have anyone listening to this podcast that thinks i'm not sure that i know who tom in speech marks wookie ford is and i do want to ask you about the wookie thing i don't know if i know the answer to the wookie name but Tom Wookie Ford, you are known as a car journalist that has written for Car Magazine here in the UK. You started as a staff writer and went off to went on to be road test editor, I believe. You've also written for the Sunday Times Motoring Supplement, and you've also written for BBC Top Gear magazine. And you are now you've managed to work your way up to editor of that magazine. Is that correct? No, I'm not the editor. Oh. I'm the associate editor. Associate editor, which is, which is a position that allows you uh, all of the power and none of the responsibility. <laughs> so you're like the Prince Harry of BBC Top Gear magazine. That's exactly what I am. <laughs> I am Prince. I am Prince Harry. What I do is I swerve all elements of having to do budget meetings. Perfect. Um, but but still being able to ring people up and go, I want to drive a Ferrari across a desert, and them saying yes. Wicked. So yeah, that's called the uh, responsibility swerving. Love it. Yep. Love it. And then we've got your, your television career. So I think most people here in the UK, bearing in mind we have a lot of listeners who aren't in the UK, but a lot of people of our UK listeners will know you for Fifth Gear on Channel 5. Which yeah. That was a good a good stint of time. Uh, but also our American listeners will know you as presenter of Top Gear America. Yes. Um, and then the more kind of abstract, um, hardcore Tom Wookie Ford fans will know you for <laughs> Blood, Sweat and Gears, Lazy Boy Garage, I don't think I ever saw that one, and Motorheads with Johnny. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I did Blood, Sweat and Gears with Johnny, Johnny Smith as well. Of course you did, um, yeah. But we, yeah, I, I'm, I am really, really good at doing Doomed One series uh, <laughs> firework TV shows where they're amazing and very bright and shiny and then they just disappear. And then they don't One series again. wonders. Well, that's but I'm good. I'm good at doing them again and again. So I've done like several different TV shows in several different places. Well, I think I've done two or three in America, which means that I get to live in America for two or three months while I'm filming them, and then then they just die. But the thing is, I quite like that because then I go and start doing something else. So people think I'd be sad. I'm not actually that sad about it. I just actually I just did one. I did another one called Hard Sell, which was all about extreme electric cars for Motor Trend. And that was probably the only one where I had complete control. And I thought, this is going to be brilliant. I loved it. Fantastic. Just doing extreme electric cars, getting all my contacts involved. It was fantastic. Thought, this is going to go on forever because electric is the next big thing. Died to death. It went out. The people that watched it loved it and then just disappeared. So I can't do telly. I'm going to stick to writing stuff and shouting at people on video calls. But yeah, 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 but you've covered it. You've covered Good. it. Well, There's the one thing I building didn't mention, things and the one thing I didn't mention, fire. which is the um, again harps back to your electrical stuff. You're you're doing you're back in the world of electric cars and journalism, writing about them because of course you're doing is it Electrify. Have I got that right? Electrifying dot com. Electrifying dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course with with yeah. our good friend Nikki Shields, Nikki and Ginny Buckley. Yeah, so yes. Ginny Buckley started it and. 
Well, the, the good thing about electrifying is that I've spent my life doing these stupid adventures, which are all kind of assumed knowledge about cars and hanging out with car people like us. Yeah. And then we kind of talked about it and realised that um, with all the electric car stuff, people don't know what, what's going on. It's really confusing. You know, you don't know what, how to do the simplest things. And some of the people that talk about it now make you feel stupid for not knowing how it all works. Yeah. Like, don't you and know you need to so, plug it in kind of attitude? Yeah. But you, people, you know, they sort of say, well, you don't know about kilowatt hours and, you know, how to do how to do stuff. And Ginny said we need to explain it to normal people. So it was basically like we were talking to my parents mm. and my dad who thinks you get electrocuted if you plug an electric car in in the rain. Oh, yeah. And that you him. can't take it through a car wash. <laughs> so while electric cars are kind of, you know, I'm quite up on them now because I've done a lot of work with them, electrifying.com is more kind of the end of people who are looking for a real car mm-hmm. and they don't really know much about cars but they need to know about electrics and and plug-in hybrids and stuff like that so it's more kind of explainery but also i got fed up with working in places where i just swam in pools of testosterone and body hair (laughs) and with loads of fellas who all shouted about driving sideways and how fast things were so we've got two girls and me which is basically where i'm a lot happier Um, everything smells better um, can't find a hairbrush <laughs> for love and money, and um, but yeah, Nikki, Nikki and Ginny are just wicked to work with, and it's a do- it's a different vibe, you know, mm. when you work with a mostly female team. I mean, quite a lot of the backroom team is female as well, so it's cool. it's just a really nice, gentle thing. There's Lovely. a lot less kind of shouty aggression. Yeah. Not that you're aggressive or anything, John. <laughs> no, but... I mean, well, we haven't really properly worked together ever, have we? we we've, we've been able to have the fun side of working together where it's always yeah, been yeah. a bit of a laugh. <laughs> we've never had to do anything that matters. <laughs> no, the thing is, I'd like to keep it like that. Yes, yeah, Always keep it on the side where it doesn't actually matter. If we can take the glory and and not have the responsibility, oh, I'm back there, aren't I? Take the glory and not have any responsibility. Um, but yeah, the next one's going really well. And weirdly, we started that in lockdown in March of last year and just right. didn't know whether it would work at all. And businesses in this past year have just been like, ah, oh. but we'd filmed loads of stuff. So we just thought we'll do it. And yeah. then Boris announced all the, you know, the 2030 and 2035 mm-hmm. changes to, you know, selling electric cars and plug-in hybrids. And we were like, <laughs> I'm rubbing my hands for those of you who can't see me. We're like, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really kicked off. Cool. And it's just got, you know, proper investment and we're, we're doing more and more videos. It's not doing burnouts and things that, mm. you know, you've usually seen me doing, John. It's more um, more consumer focused, but people are enjoying it. And I quite like that. But, you see, because still work for Top Gear, I still get to go around the world and build stupid cars and, you know, drive up volcanoes and, whatever rubbish I can think of this week, <laughs> which which is the other side of my job. So I am in the privileged position of being able to do ridiculous features for Top Gear magazine and topgear.com and then proper consumer stuff. So I can point you in different ways. If you actually want to know stuff you need to know about, you go to one end. And if yeah. you just want to read something about, you know, eating a cockroach, which I have done, how was um, it? then there's that side yeah, as how, well. How was it, as Amy's just asked, the cockroach? Crunchy. Crunchy. Mm. In a word. In a word. <laughs> I've eaten some really weird stuff. Alligators, cockroaches. And this is all for Top Gear magazine? Or just for your yeah. own enjoyment? Weirdly, people are, people are phoning me now. Hang on. I've got to put that down. Sorry. Don't worry. <laughs> My phone's going. 
So uh, what what are you what are you two doing? Are you just waiting for the, all the lockdowns to lift so that you can go out on the road again? Uh, well, we're doing bits and pieces. We, we're able to, as you quite rightly pointed out, we managed to film a Land Rover Defender film. That was that was in lockdown because mm-hmm. ultimately we're we're able. We have the luxury of not having to answer to the BBC. I guess it's probably the easiest way to put it when it comes to be responsible, go out and try and get some stuff, but don't be silly. Um, so we have been filming bits and pieces, but yeah, like yourself, we, we kind of are a bit a bit locked up at the moment with regards to our ambition of what we want to be doing. Um, yeah. I've got a motorbike being delivered on Monday, which have is... You? Is that the, uh, the the one that we were talking about the other day? This is a, I've got a GS1250 Adventure <gasps> BMW being delivered on Monday. <gasps> And I'm kind you of... are having a midlife crisis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not. Is it going to have full panniers? It's going to have. I've full requested panniers it with full and... panniers. Yes, I thought you would have. And have you got a full-on bodysuit so that you can be a proper middle-aged man <laughs> and have an intercom? Oh, that's And have it. you got rid of the silly silver one? I uh, uh, silly that, silver you? motorbike you have. The, the, the Royal Enfield. I've sold that. Yeah, yeah. That you went... see, I like that because it was it was fallible. And chrome. Well, you're the two things that I like. You're the only one out of all of my friends that like that bike. Because the, the day I bought that, I got absolutely ribbed by all of my mates. Of Why? What on earth. Because I'd just come off of a Panigale Ducati onto something that, as far as my mates were concerned, was a biscuit tin on wheels. Um, <laughs> you see, I forget you're all motorbike people, aren't you? You yeah, are as well, yeah, aren't you, Amy? Are you not? Oh, God, no. I'd be dead within 30 yards. Have you ever seen me drive a car? <laughs> no, but I did look on YouTube and saw the lovely video of you having a little bit of a, a crash. Just a little one. Which one? There's more than one. The one that ended up... There's hundreds of videos of me crashing. The one that ended up being talked about on your Wikipedia page afterwards. So the one that would be... I would, don't know. Oh, the, the rascal. Yes, the most, the most famous one. The most famous of Which the is quite entertaining, not the crash itself. No. Wasn't entertaining, I mean, it was slightly entertaining. I said to Amy before. Well, do you want to know the story? The, the trouble with that one is everyone says, oh, he broke his toes. I had 17 breaks, dislocations, oh. or fractures in my right leg. Yeah, no. it was pretty, yeah, it was a, it was a fairly. And I was in a wheelchair for two months and I was on a stick for 18. Bloody hell. And people go, oh, he broke his toe. I was like, I did not break my toe. <laughs> it did more. It hurt a lot. <laughs> and I had an overdose in the ambulance. <gasps> no. What did they yeah, give they gave me oral morphine and then they injected me with morphine as well. Oh, double morphine. That's basically so her- like heroin at that point. Super point, morphine. It? Yeah. And then they have to give you another injection which takes away the morphine and then you can't have any more painkillers. <laughs> Oh, so God. it's like it's like getting drunk and having a hangover in the same thirty minutes, <laughs> and then not being able to have any paracetamol. <laughs> great! Wow! And they say just keep drinking. Yeah, that was a great drinking. day. Now, that, I won though. It was a competition. You did win. And I did you did win. win. And this, and correct me because I I often get my uh, my life events mixed up. But was this a competition that was then being judged by my mates from Driftworks? Yes. Which is funny, isn't Phil it? Phil and because, James. Yes. Because we got to, I think at the time that we ended up, we'd obviously met a bajillion times at Caffeine and Machine before this particular day. But I remember Phil and James coming along from Driftworks. So for those of you listening who are thinking, what, what are you talking about? What's Driftworks? If you aren't aware, so Driftworks, big company based here in the UK, happens to be run by a couple of friends of mine. They're a mail order company that send out parts, accessories, um, and have a big. It's like love, honey, website. for drifters. It is. It, that's a very, that is a fantastic <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah, uh, wheel suspension. They're now doing tires, seats, everything for the drifting world is Driftworks. And of course, Driftworks in their infancy were involved in the judging of this particular competition, which was a 
correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, it was, it, you were at a Bedford Rascal. Was it? With a welded rear diff. With that's a welded that's diff. basically, and a big handbrake. That's all I did. And Johnny had cut the entire body off a Suzuki Carry. <laughs> so he'd got a pickup Suzuki Carry, yep. and I just welded the diff and painted it like the A Team van. But I, I was majestic. This is the best driving I ever did and won. And James, the Driftworks boys, completely gave it to me because I was stylish and also it was a Bedford Rascal on the lock stops. And then on the victory lap, I got a bit excited and stuck it into a concrete block. So the one thing to take away from it all is don't show off once you've won. Just walk away. Just, Just walk away. Yeah. Just take the plaudits and leave. Well, there seems to um, be a... But I've never listened to my own advice. <laughs> there seems to be a dangerous running theme between our friendship group of whether we, you know, intentional or not. Obviously, you hurt yourself with Phil and James, which later, uh, it was probably about 10 years later, we discovered that we were all mutual friends in that crazy side of the motoring world. Um, the last time you and I actually saw each other face-to-face, correct me if I'm wrong, we were both putting another friend of ours into the recovery position on a night out in Manchester. What on earth? So if you remember, he'd fallen over and landed on his face. Yes. And um, I thought he'd broken his neck. Yes. So I did. lay on the floor with him while you went and got an ambulance. <laughs> and I held his face between my hands lying on the floor. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he threw up and was bleeding quite a lot. Ooh. So I'm holding both. I'm, I'm lying in his blood yep. with him vomiting yep. while you were running to get an ambulance. And then you went into full SAS calm mode. Yeah, yeah. Like, Amy, you've never, have you ever seen I've him never in a had to experience pumper? this. I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, I, I know you do like, a bit of training. You do a lot of running with your heavy bag thing. But I, I can't imagine you just being calm all the time. I can't imagine you ever panicking. So what well, happened there? So yeah, he goes into full. He goes into full look after everybody mode. We are going to sort this out now. It's going to happen now, and it's going to happen this way. <laughs> he was on the phone. I'm, I'm the one that's trying to give everybody a cuddle and hold everybody's hands and give them a kiss because that will make it better. He's on the phone going, "Yeah, we've got a head injury, and uh, we're at this address." I'm like, "I don't know where the f- we are. <laughs> Everything is wrong. We're all dead. Send help." And he's there, just going, "Yeah, we're here. Um, I'm going to walk and meet you now. My name is John Marker." Oh, hi, we've got a head injury. It's not an RTA. Um, and I'm just lying on the floor covered in blood and sick. It's like rolling around on the floor. And within, within 10 or 15 minutes, John had called in the ambulance, got him on a stretcher, and then and then we all went to, back to the pub. Unfortunately, well, did. I'm still covered in blood. Oh. So I look like I'd been in the accident. And John's there going, no, it's fine. We'll just go for another beer. And people are just staring at me. And I walked back home in Manchester that night. And the strangest thing was, I looked like I'd been in a massive brawl and nobody said anything. Did everyone give you a very wide birthday? Like people crossed no. the road to walk on no, the other side? not a single thing. It must happen in Manchester. <laughs> or I looked like a, some sort of street artist. Like I was like doing theatre. <laughs> But yeah, that was um, that was that was a, an interesting night out. So another friend of ours, Dan, it was his birthday party. We went up, and of course, the friend that we're talking about that had the injury, uh, yeah, was he okay? Great friend of ours, Ben. Yes, Ben, famous for running String Theory Garage, um, who uh, he was based at Cafe de Machine. He's now gone into a slightly larger premises. But yeah, it was a complete accident. Unfortunately, Ben fell over and landed on his face and had a bit of a rough time. He had both hands in his pockets. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and tripped. And basically couldn't get his hands out of his pockets. So he landed <laughs> on his own face. Yeah. But what, what surprised me was that within about 
25 minutes after the accident, after we just put him in the ambulance, the WhatsApp group came up that just said, Bond's head is not an egg. And it's the speed at which the social media people in this group of people will react to giving something a well, label. I think that will be credit to Al Clark, who has also previously been It was very been fast. A, he's been a guest. It was very fast. Thunder. But yeah, you, you lot went off to off just for another pint, and I was in the back of an ambulance with Ben going to whatever it is, Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Manchester. Did he have a fractured skull? Uh, yeah, he did, yeah. Or a cracked... He did he have a cracked his eye, eye socket? socket. Yeah, the, the pressure of landing on his eye had actually cracked his eye socket, so yeah. Why are you too obsessed with injuries? Because this is all we seem to have talked about. No, so well, I, I, wasn't hope, I wasn't planning on going off on such a big tangent about Ben falling on his like injury trains. porn? But uh, it was more the fact of there seems to be any link between you and I with our friends is always involves some sort of Something injury. involving... <laughs> so really, something bad's happened. You two should I, just, we, never, yeah, just never... get us in the same place. I was no, going to say, exactly. never meet again. If you, if you look across the room, and see both of you leave the room quickly. Yeah, somebody's going down. Yeah. Not us. I somebody's would. going down. <laughs> I would. Generally, right. if, if I'm in a room, that uh, it'll be fine. We'll get we'll get you through it, but we might also cause the issue. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you're in safe hands. We will get you. We'll, we'll get you the medical care that you need. But we'll get you into the, the, the need for the fireworks the anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. We we should probably talk about cars because this is a an automotive podcast and. Um, so far, we've we've spoken a little bit about what you do and our friends breaking their faces. So, um, <laughs> so talk me through. You were saying you're often responsible for planning wonderful big adventures for Top Gear magazine, which obviously sounds really exciting. But Panny D, the lovely pandemic that we've been faced with for the past years, I, I can imagine it's probably quieting things down just a tad for you. How are you coping with that? Awful. What are you? Um, are you still adventuring here and there, or is it just? Are you kind of scraping the barrel with ideas of how, how what, what excuse can I have to get out of the house? I mean, a bit of both. The Obviously, being all of my work is based on travel. Mm. So I had to kind of, and I thought it only last two weeks, Didn't like we all did. Yeah. I thought that so I was well. like, oh, two weeks, two weeks to do a bit more planning. That's fine. Mm. You know, it'll be all right. And people often ask how I sort out all the trips and stuff. And it's 95% plan, mm. 95% prep. 5% actually driving somewhere and doing the actual job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so being at home, planning and prepping is no big deal. But I was okay for like six weeks. Mm. And then as it's gone on and on and on, and I haven't been able to go when I think I was going to go, and I haven't been able to go and do the job when I thought I was going to do the job, I've got more and more annoyed with it. So you know this last kind of lockdown that we've been having over this past few weeks since Christmas. Mm. This is the only time I've really struggled with it. Yeah. Because I just I, I just lost a bit of my oomph and I haven't been out the house. I've got three kids yeah, and they've been at home. So we've been doing homeschooling. And can you imagine what I'm like as a teacher? Yes. It, I, mm. I can imagine. <laughs> so my children no longer can do maths, but they know winch recovery techniques. <laughs> Which is far more important. Which is for I uh, thank you, yep. Amy. Thank you. This will get them out of proper tr- like my. I've been teaching them how to fight uh, with knives as well as fists. By the time they go back, um, but to school. they can no longer do geography. So you know, we've. It's just been one of those things, and it must be the same for all of us. We've mm. we've sort of reached the point where it, it's just making me a little bit more grumpy now. But then there's a bit of light on the end of on the horizon, yeah. And suddenly I'm feeling quite a bit more. Um, excitable and as you can well you can see but you can't if you're on the radio because it's a vocal only medium it's quite sunny behind yeah. me mm-hmm. I'm sat by a window the sun's out and 
two days of sunshine and suddenly I'm like, hey, you're absolutely right. We're in Ibiza. I think your that sentiment of this recent lockdown being so much harder has been echoed by almost mm. everyone. It has for me too. Yep. I, I think um, so. We are just trying to think in the in the aspect of when this podcast goes out. So we're recording approximately three weeks before you, the listener, are hearing this. So at this time, this week, we just had the announcement from Boris Johnson, UK yeah. Prime Minister, saying um, we, we've got a date in mind now. 21st of June is, is hopefully subject to everything going the way that it should go. 21st of June, everything back to normal. And that's to the extent of go, being able to go to pubs and hug and kiss our friends and, and you know play birthday bumps with granny and all that sort of stuff. We should be able to do all of that again by the 21st of June. Tom's looking at me with a very peculiar face because I was birthday box I don't granny. know what you do with your granny and I, I, I think it's that's a personal thing. But birthday bumps possibly doesn't mean the same thing to you as it does me. No, I, I'm, I'm assuming um, by your horrified face expression it doesn't. Uh, uh, no, it was Amy. Amy widened her eyes at that one. You widened your so eyes first and I looked at you. No, no. <laughs> by the way, she sat slightly behind John. And she she her she went like that, and it was like watching it. You know when you startle a horse, that's what she did. That face. Like something was something in the distance was falling over. Oh my god! But I think she might be used to you, though, Jonathan Markar. I mm-hmm. hope so by now. It's been a year. It's been. It has always been a Nearly year of you year. getting to know mm-hmm. my. Yeah, how long has this been happening then? Has this so been just about a year now? We as driven, yeah. uh, we first assembled as as a t- as a team in one form in, like the avengers like the avengers <laughs> but worse we ass- we assembled for the first time in july look june. she did it again <laughs> june. <laughs> june june july, june, july. Like that. Yes. yes so it's still very fresh and new and and um yeah multi-directional with some exciting really really genuinely exciting ambition mm-hmm. and plans i think you should do more videos I'm just going to put that That's out the there. plan. Yes. I think the videos look really... You know when if you watch people that seem to be having fun mm. mm-hmm. and actually that feels really quite nice, mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. if, like, you look like mates that, even if you two hate each other... <laughs> You really look like you're good mates. You and can't... actually that's, that's really fun to watch. But no. don't ever try and um, kind of... Uh, I don't know what the word would be, formalise it. No. No, I think you're right. Because kind of the chatting away and kind of doing your own thing thing yeah. is really, that's what I really liked. Well, that's very kind of you. So do more video. Okay. To, to, to have that coming from you is, um, that's genuinely, that's quite sweet. Thank you very much. And I don't think anybody could dislike John Marker, really. If they do, they're wrong. There's a couple I've of been people. trying. I told you I've been trying for years. <laughs> you have said you were trying for years, but just not possible. <laughs> but I can't. I'm going to get him to do something. I'm going to trap him into doing something evil to something me really so that bad. I have some traction on hating him. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. I'm going to leave a biscuit out that that I really want. The last biscuit. (laughs) It would be like, that was my Jaffa cake, John. (laughs) I'm going to come and feed you to pigs. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, you would probably get like a massive parcel of Jaffa cakes just at your door because John would be so lovely and just be like, I'm so sorry, here's a turn of Jaffa cakes just for you, Tom. You'd have to survive the the comeback first. (laughs) If anyone touches my biscuits. (laughs) Yeah. I'll set Frank on them. Apart from my dog, Frank is is perhaps the be- like the friendliest. It's pretty docile. He's like me as a guard dog. Yeah. But anyway, we were saying about He's... this uh, the, <laughs> before you flattered us with nice comments about videos. We were talking about I think your your shared opinion of this lockdown has been mm. a bit rubbish, 
And I think there's no. been a combination of winter. Um, until recently, we didn't have a date as to this mm-hmm. is going to end at this time. And that always makes anything difficult because usually when you're in a, a situation where something's a bit rubbish, like, oh, no, I've run out of money and payday's not until the end of the month. Payday is still at the end of the month. And, mm. you know, if you're a bit poorly, yes, it might be a bit rubbish for a while, but you know that within a week or two, you're going to feel better again. With this, there hasn't really been a, it's all going to be over by this date. So there's no, there's been nothing really to look forward to. So it has been rubbish. So, yeah, shorter days, colder weather, no outcome date. It has been a bit poo for everyone, really. But um, I've just felt really boring. Yeah. Like I've usually got a story or something. <laughs> you know, when you talk to somebody on the phone, I've usually done something. Yeah. Or I've just, you know, I haven't been out of the house. Well, what's been the most exciting thing you've done this week? This week? Oh, I... <laughs> uh, this week's... I have actually gone out of the house this week, which is exciting, <laughs> isn't it? I took... Um, I, I, I decided... So I get a long termer from Top Gear. You know, you get long term test cars, mm. but no one ever does anything with them properly. I don't think so. Yeah. I've got a Land Rover Discovery, and I I decided to to take every single parameter I could find of the car and see if it could actually do it. So I've run all the test figures like zero to sixty and uh, all the speed figures, uh, and I went to a track, obviously, <laughs> and. Um, I went and did uh, Eastner, you know the Eastner off-road courses. Yes, yes, yeah. And they say that you're allowed to, you can, you know, you can drive it at a certain slip angle and you can wade it at a certain depth. Well, I went and did all of that, but I had to do more than it said it could do. Right. So I've been trying to see whether it, I've called the, Ollie Q came up with the, we were calling it the lie detector to uh-huh. see whether what they say in the brochure, that car will actually do. Uh-huh. So I've spent ages. I drove up the A1 and did like 75 miles at 56 miles an hour to see what the extra urban MPG would be. <laughs> it was horrific. <laughs> I nearly got hit by so many lorries. And I, it's like, I was just like, I'm doing, I'm testing, shouting at lorry people. I'm testing, I'm not weird. Um, and then drove it through town like 10 times to see to simulate urban driving yeah. and all that kind of stuff, just because I'm that bored. So, but yeah, I went to Eastnet and I only snapped off one part of the car. Well done. And luckily, Land Rover wouldn't have found out about that, but then I put it on Twitter, mm. um, <laughs> which I think was was a genius level move on my part because I seem to think that my social media is just my mates. Yeah. And I forget <laughs> yeah. constantly. Lots of people So, watching. yeah, I put it on Twitter. And and that, that was a stupid thing. But, yeah, I've been out. And tomorrow I'm driving a Resto Mod Ferrari. Oh, oh nice. lovely. So that should be quite cool. Um, but that literally this week, I feel like I'm doing one of my big Japanese or American adventures because I've been out of the house twice. <laughs> it's like, ah! It's exciting. And I talked to some people who weren't my immediate family. <laughs> but I tell you what has made me appreciate stuff like that. Mm. It's made me appreciate being out talking to people. You know, when we used to all see each other knocking around, you know, you'd be in a different part of the country because we're in the same sort of area of things you might run into people you know constantly and just seeing your mates or people you know yes it's so important for Mm -hmm. you and your mental health and getting your head together i think if you stew basically i think if you stew in your own juice too much Mm. it's not good for anybody from you know toddlers to oaps Mm -hmm. that's right yeah and i've noticed i've been doing some shopping for the old people in the village and um all i've been getting is like they want me to buy gin and paracetamol. Oh, crikey. <laughs> They're the two things. So I don't want to be... I don't know whether I'm feeding people's addiction <laughs> or or suicide. Oh, God. But wow. I'm... 
I am I am pushing. I if they ask, oh, and turmeric. They get me to buy kilos of turmeric, oh, which is an anti-inflammatory, apparently. The elderly yep. love turmeric yep. at the moment, don't they? They love it. Yeah. And they're not cooking with it, John. <laughs> they're, they're, they're injecting it. <laughs> Straight into the veins. It's like crack. I think they smoke it. The, um, so the OAPs in our village are smoking <laughs> a lot of turmeric. I want to know where this has come from, because this is a genuine thing. So I've got two friends of mine. They're both, um, they're both doctors in the medical profession. And their number one remark from uh, their patients of a certain age is oh don't worry about that i take turmeric and nobody can figure out where this has started and come from for, for i don't know if this is the same for listeners around the rest of the world but i feel like something was said on some sort of television program that only the elderly watch well i, I where... don't know if there's some scientific like actual basis to it because when I, so I had about I don't know, years ago, eight, nine years ago now, caught my hand in a polishing machine. And my surgeon, after my operations, basically said, just apply. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what were you polishing that you needed something so big you could put your hand in it? <laughs> I was polishing, I was at university, I was polishing a cylindrical box. And very long story well, short. Can I just say a cylinder isn't a box? Well, this is, it was okay, it was a cylinder <laughs> with a base on and I had a lid. So well, I don't know what you call that. Okay, it's a box, so you've completely <laughs> foxed me there. <laughs> so this thing, so I was I was polishing this 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 is this, this is this is the thing that ended up getting me into cars because I was doing this this course and then I decided, hell no, I'm never doing that again. And part of it was because of this accident. And so um yeah, when I was polishing this box very long story, I was told to wear gloves on this machine and you apparently you are not meant to wear gloves because the metal gets really hot, so you wear gloves, you can use it for longer, you should just stop for anybody listening. So, yeah, when, basically I caught my hand in this polishing and got third degree friction burns mm. and um, it was a pretty rubbish... <laughs> Here we are in the injury talk again. I, know. So... <laughs> I was just thinking that, we're straight back to third degree friction burns. <laughs> I, so, I mean, so basically, yeah, back to the turmeric side of things. My, my surgeon, my very lovely Indian surgeon, Mr. Ralph, said apply honey and turmeric to my post-surgery really? hand um, as it was healing. Do you think to... that's where all of this has come from, that one surgeon <laughs> who has been going around yeah. telling everybody? <laughs> I think it must be. So I don't know if there's actually, there must be some scientific... There, it's certainly good for you, but I think the extent, it's a bit like echinacea. Remember, remember when everyone was having echinacea when they thought they were getting a yeah. cold and then the doctor came out and went, guys, this, it's not actually, it doesn't actually work. Like, Stop it. <laughs> but yet people still go out and buy tablets of echinacea when they feel like they're getting a cold. Because it's You should see all the stuff thing. I take. It's amazing. It's like, it's like Willy Wonka's... Well, actually, no, I don't anymore. I take olive oil and a multivitamin and some other stuff. I can't remember what it is, but I want to use the bottle up. <laughs> Do you know, I'm so glad you just said the words olive oil. And I, I wonder how long it's going to take you to realise where I'm going with this. So another mutual friend of ours who works love honey again who looks no <laughs> who works behind uh, the camera usually uh, of greek origin oh manos manos so manos recently was sent me in the post a beautiful box of olive oils stunning yeah i'm sorry he gives that to everybody i've yeah. had about 50 of them and i now he's ordering me a 10 gallon drum <laughs> but isn't it I brilliant cook, i cook with all i cook with i cook a lot and the trouble is, I seem to get through it like petrol. <laughs> so I, he started off getting, you know that little presentation box he gave yeah, you? Yeah. The, it's got a stone, it's got a stone jar, Amy, you'd love it. It's beautiful. I've seen it, yeah. it's, it's lovely. It's got about four teaspoons of bloody olive oil in it. You can't cook <laughs> shit on. You do like one scallop. 
<laughs> so I, so me and Manos, who he he's got this farm near Sparta, weirdly, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, how how much can you get me? And he was like, I can get like five gallons. So I've ordered ten gallons. <laughs> so I'm going to bathe in it, John. I'm going to bathe in it. Very good for skin. And then look young eventually. But yeah, he's wicked. So I work with Manos quite a bit now. Yeah. And um, we have we have a very good time. It's because he's he's I I just love his sense of humour. By the way, he looks totally different if you take his woolly hat off and he dresses nicely. Suddenly he looks like a fashion model. And I'm used to him dressed like a tramp, like in a in a wood somewhere in Chobham at a test track. I saw him when he got his nice clothes on. I thought he was a completely different person. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he's quite handsome. <laughs> it's Manos. See, I worked with Manos, Manos very briefly at Car Throttle. It was like a transition time. As I was leaving, he was coming in. So Manos is related to cars to some extent. Yes, he's, oh, he's a, he's a the oil very, man. very talented... Um, oh, it's not just olive oil. Okay. <laughs> what else has he got? You but that's what's important to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Manos is a, is a, a, a filmmaker and okay. does wonderful things behind... Behind and with cameras uh, to make people like Tom and myself look fabulous on screen. Yeah, and what he does, his biggest trick is just to film us from far away. <laughs> That's how he makes us look fabulous. <laughs> just gets a short lens and stands farther away. And then it looks quite nice. <laughs> hello, hello. I wanted to ask, because we brought up at, kind of at the beginning, but then went off on a tangent. Where, where does the Wookiee bit come from? You must get asked this all the time. Yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, I'm I'm a lot less interesting than people seem to think I am, because uh, I used to be really fat. So I was twenty two, twenty three stone, wow. and I'm quite tall. Not quite tall, but I'm quite big. Mm. And um, when I was fat, I was just big. I wasn't partic- I didn't look particularly like fat. Fat. I was just like I put fat on over my entire the entire surface of my body. Instead of just having a big belly, so I was just an enormous human being. You were, you were being. curvy before. Uh, I was Rubenesque. Cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I was. I was probably eight stone heavier than I am now. And the thing is, I also had uh, ludicrously seventies hair. So I had really curly, really long hair, and um, I used to live up a mountain in France. And people used to when it, all my hair froze. People used to say I look like an abominable snowman. And I walked in one day and they said, that's not an abominable snowman, that's a Wookiee. <laughs> so be- I just everyone called me Wookiee. And I thought, it's not a horrible nickname. No. As in, it's not, um, it's not an insult. It's not, it's not particularly cool because it's, it's Star Wars, but it's, it's not particularly horrible either. Yeah. And I just thought, I'll just let that roll. And then when I got my first job in motoring... So um, I went for a job on MCN. I couldn't ride a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> and my pitch was that I would take the reader through learning to ride a motorbike for, <laughs> to get this staff writer job. And anyway, they said no. But then this other guy was looking for somebody to do data entry because the internet was new. Yeah, I really am that old. <laughs> and it was writing all their um, road tests onto their new website. And that was for Car Magazine. Right. So my five-year plan was to always work for Car Magazine, which was my favourite ever magazine at the time, mm. and it was my first job. But, oh, sorry, and the point of the story was <laughs> there were three Toms in that office. Uh-huh. So I, I became known as Wookie. 
perfect and it's that's stuck. it but also when i got when i got a bit older because of tom ford the fashion designer mm-hmm. mm. um i needed something to differentiate myself and so i just became tom wookie ford because it stopped anyone that googled it getting a very handsome very gay very beautiful man um who was worth a lot more than me um, and getting confused and the best bit is on instagram there's still loads of people that have no clue because i think if you squint and it's a bit fuzzy like this me and him we're we're both sort of tall and dark with beards it's not you're not a million miles apart I mean, if I move around a lot, look. And put on a nice suit. And then, Anti-surveillance yeah, face. You'll be there. If I put on a nice suit and, and you had some Vaseline in your eyes, <laughs> so people get confused. <laughs> and, of course, because I did some stuff in America, I got the blue ticks on everything. So I think yeah. people look and see uh-huh. Tom Ford and see a blue tick and think. But they ask you the weirdest questions. So when Tom got married to a fella, I got I got absolutely loads of uh, homophobic abuse because people saying that I didn't really? tell them I was gay. What? Yeah. Oh, I spent days playing with those people. It was fantastic. I bet that was just really playing with people who were offended by (laughs) offended by gayness. It was just like, wow, you really are living in a very, very different place to me. I like the I like the fact that people are offended by the idea that somebody they've never met might be gay. Being in love, yeah, you love someone else. How disgraceful! Wow, (laughs) horrible. But I tried. I I tried to get. I tried to do some. uh, I tried to make people feel very weird in that, but I felt justified. So, uh, yeah, I'm not that Tom Ford. And I do have a Tom Fraud T-shirt, which <laughs> I delight in. <laughs> and the thing is, everybody looks at it and laughs once, and yeah. then that's it. <laughs> it's all right, as long as you don't need to explain it. That's the kind of thing with that, that sort of joke, isn't it? Oh, it? you guys get it, yeah. but only uh, anyone else is just like, oh. Okay, but that's basically my sense of humour. <laughs> it's true. Right, back to cars. Yes, cars. What Go have you been driving? Because you spoke about your um, discovery that you changed the shape of. Um, is there anything else you've been, again, bearing in mind that the adventure aspect of what you usually do has been cut short? Is there anything else that, despite the fact that the adventure hasn't been there, you've been absolutely blown away by? And I know we've already mentioned the new Defender, which you again, with a, a collection of my mates, seem to link together with a crane and hang from... Yeah. That was mad. Because it was a, because we were bored. So we got two new, three new Defenders, and then we hung them from a 100-foot crane like Christmas baubles. Yeah. And, they were and real... everyone went, why are you doing that? And I was like, I don't know, but it looks cool. But they were actual <laughs> and... real Defenders, weren't they? They weren't like the engines oh, yeah. taken out. The, the like only that. thing we did was we took the fluids out of them. Right. Um, so they had no fluids in, so that was and that was really to stop everything being a bit grumpy when we put them back yeah. down. Oil but um, the yeah, they were just hung off the tow balls, and and the funny thing was they'd done all the calculations to make sure that it would work, and it's, you still don't know whether oh, it's, it's going to work. Terrifying. And we just hung them off the tow balls, and what they didn't realise, you know, when you pick the car up from flat to say, go to vertical, would that it nose... smashed the front bumpers on all three of them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that everyone was like, uh, and it was like, it's going up now. Just do it. Just do it. Just keep going. Um, what have I driven? I've been driving a lot of electric because of all mm. electrifying mm-hmm. and stuff. So I've been, you know, basically anything electric. I was, I want to drive a, an Audi e-tron, but only mm. because I'm quite like the Tycans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've, I mean, I used to do, we used to, I've been building stuff more. I drove that electric Mercedes-Benz EQC on portal axles. That okay. was incredible because electric power off-road actually is way better than anything else. Makes a lot else. of sense, really? doesn't it? Very direct torque. 
Oh, it's it, it absolutely kills anything petrol or diesel mm. because exactly like John says, it's instant torque and you can meter it digitally. So mm-hmm. you are, you can make that wheel turn slow, so slowly, mm. but you can also hear the traction. Right. This is course, what I keep yeah. telling people. You can hear when your wheels are slipping, which wheel is slipping. There's no gearing. Mm. So when you're trying to, you know, when you're, you know, when you've driven your Land Rover off road mm-hmm. and you're trying to inch it over something. Mm. Yeah. You can do that by literally degrees rather than having anything sort of nudging or, or tweaking. Hmm. Um, and this thing was on portal axles, so it was really high and massive wheels. So it was amazing off-road. Um, I mean, I built – did you ever see my Dacia? My yeah. Dacia. I was in the, I was in the did workshop you see it finished? where it was being slaminated. I was watching yeah, by it. by Ben. Watching it scrape. Ben with the head the injury. Ben with the head injury. So I, I got a Dacia and a Dacia uh, – What's it called? A duster, duster, which is a small SUV, and then put it on the floor. But on them, um, it was got Ben to lower it so much that the wheels wouldn't turn in the arches. So then we had to we had to make it taller again so that I could drive it home. Because um, I have to say, I do which think, I thought was hilarious. I do think the duster. What? I do think the duster as is is probably one of the most sorry if anyone's got one boring cars you can possibly get. So what did you, Were you do? Wrong? Mm. Um, it was to tell you're me, just wrong yeah tell me why I'm wrong because I'm well, and also why I mean yours is going to be obviously a lot more interesting than the normal one because you played around with it so much fitness but... for purpose is sexy <laughs> so f- okay. f- it, honestly you're wearing dungarees you know what I'm saying there's <laughs> Fitness for purpose is really cool. So we we're living in a in a world where everybody's like into conspicuous consumption and having these like massively complicated things. And half the time you don't use the kit. Mm-hmm. Why do you like your Land Rover? Because I can drive it anywhere when it goes. I yeah, think. the same with the duster, but it will go more than Land Rover. The, <laughs> I believe the that. <laughs> French farmers, French farmers all have dusters. Yeah, and I always look to people that use things properly, mm. and. The, the Duster is not a sexy car. It's a, a useful value for money car. Like but there is, there is, there is gorgeousness in that. There is a beauty in practicality in yeah. my mind. Okay. So anything that, that does what it needs to do and doesn't necessarily offer a huge amount more, I quite like. Yeah. Do you know the so thing that got, and that is what my love life does. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that made me look twice at the Dacia Duster was because um, it had been around for a while, but it wasn't until I went and did a for the travel company that I was running in, up until recently. We did a, a, a driving tour recce uh, myself and yeah. Do you know did what? you get a hire car? It was Ben again. It was String Theory Ben that I did this recce with. Face injury Ben, as we'll call him for this podcast. But uh, Ben and yeah. I went and did a, a driving tour recce all around Europe, with a large portion of that being in northern Italy. Now, if you've ever driven around northern Italy, especially around the mountains, you will see that everybody, almost everybody, for quite a long time, had Fiat Panda 4x4s. Fiat Pandas. Brilliant. The duster is that Fiat Panda. Exactly. So here's the thing. So the Fiat Pandas have all now, because a lot of them are from the 1980s, they're all dying and rusting and, and, and disappearing. But rather than the uh, the new age Italians going out and buying the new Fiat Pandas, and there is a Fiat Panda 4x4 as well, a new model, rather than going out and buying those, they're actually buying Dacia Dusters. And one of the design quirks that I didn't realise, I think until I sat in your one, Tom, was that within the cup holder, there is actually a separate little section to perfectly fit an espresso cup. Yeah, do you know what that is? Go on. That's the four-wheel drive selector on the four-wheel drive model. Is that what it is? (sighs) 
Yeah. Right. Okay. They just they just don't fill in the gap. So you, you could and if you put a pound coin in it, you'll never get it out. <laughs> Ever. It's gone from the world forever. Yeah. If you look on the four-wheel drive models, that's got a little gear selector on oh, and they just right. don't put it they just don't put it in. Well, there's there's loads of little tweaks like that. Oh, well, for, I've forever been convinced that that was the espresso, espresso holder, holder because for an espresso, perfectly fit we'll to leave you with that. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave you with that. So, that, but th- that's exactly right, though. Where where ski instructors used to have four by four pandas, sizzly pandas, yeah, they buy dusters, yeah. And the thing is, because they're so cheap, like Ben from facial injury, Ben from String Theory, he we we looked at it and it was so simple that we worked out that you could put put Fiesta ST suspension on it because uh-huh. that's what we put on my duster. But the Fiesta ST suspension is a foot lower than the duster is. So I then had a fat little SUV thing that had no power but would go round roundabouts at full throttle (laughs) all the time. So it had no power but more handling than power and therefore it became the funniest car in the world. And the only person that didn't like it was my dog Frank. And we we got Weller wheels to make some steel wheels that were ten and a half inches wide. (laughs) You did tires are like that. Have you still got it? And, uh, yeah, is, what, is it still around? What's happened to it? No, Renault took it back to do some marketing with, and I've been oh. trying to buy it back off them for ages because uh. they're not worth not not that they're not worth anything, but they're cheap in the first of place. Of course, yeah. So when it comes to second hand, the only people that buy them are old, and they look after things. Yeah. So you buy one off an old person, and you get a really cheap, useful. You know, Larder Nevis. I always quite like those as yeah, well. Do you yeah, remember yeah. them? Absolutely. They're still making them. Yep. That the duster is my Lada Neva, except less Russian. Oh, I think I I, I genuinely more believe French. the Dacia Duster is going to become one of these cult classic cars. It's go, it is going to be a car that is around forever and ever and ever, or certainly for. But if you or live on a years. farm, you get one of the old diesel four wheel drive ones and put some decent tires on it, and I can I can put that. You know your new Defender. Hmm. If I had a set of decent tyres on a 4x4 duster, I can put it anywhere, if not further than those new Defenders, because it's light and it's narrow and it's little. And Amy, you'll know that if you've got a light, little car Mm -hmm. off-road, you can get them a lot further. It scampers along, doesn't it? Yeah. Right, well, maybe that's Your car's built out of, like, bits of pig iron and locomotive (laughs) railway track. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean... No, literally, you've you've got two... You've got a ladder chassis that looks like a ladder because yeah, people yeah. have probably cross-braced it randomly as well. <laughs> yeah. And the outriggers will be rotten. At least the Dacia's a monocoque. Actually, you've been quite horrible to Dacia, so I'm going to take issue with you Sorry. saying that a Dacia's not a cool <laughs> well, But the problem is I've never driven one. So what I'll need to do is take one for a test drive. And so my, my fellow's a farmer as well, so I can go, go and take it properly. Exactly, I can take it for a proper test run perfect and see how it goes right. and what kind of a farmer is he he's not like an avocado farmer or anything, no. Is he? <laughs> no no at the moment it's lambing Lots not like lamb. an artisan farmer he's a mucky farmer <laughs> no he's a pro- proper farmer so uh yeah has he got cows is he dairy or arable a uh, bit uh, but of both but mainly yeah dairy and oh he's a proper and... farmer then yeah oh no, yeah. no we like that yeah so uh yeah, no, just take give him one see if he can break it in a week <laughs> i always think that if you give it to a farmer and it doesn't snap in a week that's a very good test. farm test right the so farm, i'm, I'm going to write this down into on my notepad like acid i'm going to email uh, the dacia press office or the renault press office this afternoon <laughs> to get Amy. do it i honestly they're, they're amazing but all those cheap all their kind of um there's a new is the new logan no, it was the new sandero the new sandero mm. they they're great and they're they're the anti 
anti kind of flash people's cars. Yeah. And I just quite like that. Mm-hmm. I like because I would I'm an inveterate meddler, so I will play with anything. Yeah. If you give me anything, don't sit still for very long because I'll <laughs> tie your shoelaces together. <laughs> but the the cars thing, the more kind of complicated and the more you're trying to say with your car oh. where you've not done it yourself. So Lamborghini, you know, all the supercar stuff, it it makes me feel a bit cold, mm. a bit... There's always another supercar that's quicker. Mm-hmm. If you love that thing that you bought, like some, I know a guy who just loves the Huracan. Mm-hmm. That's great. I know another guy that loves Diablos and another another guy that loves uh, F355 Ferraris. That's cool because it's quite specific. If it's just you've bought a supercar because it's a supercar, yeah. I can't be asked. No. I like modified things. I like things that are expressions of your personality. The mm-hmm. reason you drive something is because you have an emotional connection to it. I'm going to poke myself in the eye with this pencil in a minute, but <laughs> you are having an emotional connection to a car. It can be a Mini, a Mark 1 Mini, or it can be... I find it harder to get attached to things like Veyrons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, totally agree. Because they don't chime with me on many levels. Yeah. Whereas a Slam Dacia Duster, I suddenly go, hey, yeah, I could do that. And well, actually, I did do that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like... No, you're absolutely that, you know spot when we're on. talking about caffeine and machine and car meets and you go and see people's cars and you took the, words out the like cars that. are sometimes, mm. but they love them. Yeah. And that makes them wicked. Yeah. Um, that's what I like. Yeah, no, you're, you're so absolutely then, therefore right. I put lights on everything now and it's become a thing. Oh, when I discovered vinyl, that was a big day for me. <laughs> because I could put stripes and like logos on things. I was like, that's massive. And it doesn't ruin things. No, you so just take basically, it back again, don't stand still long enough or I'll vinyl logo you. Have you um, have you experimented with plasti dip yet? No, and people keep asking and yeah. I'm like, I think that'd be dangerous because the dog is the dog hasn't moved in a while. Don't plasti dip. And he could, I could probably make him a nice baby blue. <laughs> But do you know what? You're you're so right. I think it's um that's a common test, isn't it, between are you a true petrol head or are you just somebody that says you like cars? Mm-hmm. And if your you know, if your go-to is I'm gonna win the lottery and buy an Aventador. Now that's fine. If you, if an Aventador is the car that you really, really want, that's absolutely fine. But the the proof in the pudding for me is no, I've not gone out and bought an Aventador. I've actually gone out and bought a Mercialago and I'm slamming it and putting it yeah. on ADV one. myself more. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I don't want to be just another supercar owner or just another oh, posh car. What was the first Lambo you ever drove? Uh, I, it was a Diablo. It was, was a Diablo around, so get this, it was, uh, it was owned by, this was not press related at all, this is before I entered that chapter of my life, uh, it was a Lamborghini Diablo, it was owned by the man that owned Autoglass, a, a really nice chap called Richard. And Richard at the time, there'll be a lot of people listening who may know who I'm talking about already, but Richard at the time was um, building a racetrack in a, a part of the country that's not too far away from you, where you are right now, Tom, up in Lincolnshire, um, called Blyton Park. Now, the brilliant oh, yeah. thing with Richard, so uh, Richard, despite having lots of businesses, uh, Autoglass being one of them, um, he was also a major franchise owner for Subway. Now, I, it sounds like I'm going off on a mad tangent here, but stick with me, dear listener. So Richard owned Autoglass. I have to work at some point today, John. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Richard owned Autoglass. He also owned a massive amount of Subway franchises. And so the story goes, one day, 
an accountant that Richard had newly um, appointed said, uh, Richard, I've noticed on some of your balance sheets here, there's, there's quite a large chunk uh, that's been allocated to VAT that's been um, like accounted for within your cold food uh, franchise. Now, anyone, yeah. as, as many people may know, or many may not, you don't pay VAT on the produce of cold foods. So what Richard had actually been doing was paying an astronomical amount of unnecessary money into an account for no need. So he got a tax refund of something like, I won't say the exact figure, but it had a lot of zeros, which enabled Richard to then build his own racetrack. And whilst we were designing that racetrack uh, up on an old airfield in Gainsborough, um, Richard had this... Diablo and said, go on, take that for a little drive, see how you get on. And on the most potholed, rutted old, it was a World War II bomber airfield. It was just rotten. We would we put traffic cones in potholes and half the traffic cone wasn't visible. So you, you're driving along thinking it was one of those mini traffic cones. It wasn't. It was a full-size traffic cone and falling down the hole. But yeah, I drove Richard's Lamborghini, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, but that was then sold to, uh, I think it, it turned into tarmac. So the Diablo was sold to pay for some tarmac to make the circuit even better. But yeah, that's my that's my world's longest I drove a Lamborghini story. <laughs> that's amazing. Mm. I, I I just I just remember things like those those kind of era cars are the ones that appeal to me now. Yeah, the first one I drove was a yellow VT manual, and I had to drive it out of London. And I drove it home to my dad's house, and my dad thought I was a drug dealer, <laughs> and I parked it in his garage and refused to take it out because I was afraid of crashing it. <laughs> How old were you when you drove uh, that? And I didn't crash it. I didn't crash that. I crashed a Ferrari once into my dad's garage. Ooh. He still thought I was a drug dealer. But the, <laughs> the, the weird thing is, my, I'm, I'm now 45. I've been doing this for about 21, 22 years. I was 40 before my dad thought I wasn't a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad sounds adorable. Does he now know that you can wash electric cars in a car wash? Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've beaten it into him. But, um, yeah, I, I take great pleasure in taking him out in the scariest cars I can find. And he trusts me implicitly. And he doesn't know how on the ragged edge I really am, <laughs> which I think would be more terrifying. My mum won't go in the car with me. I used to have a Nissan R35 GTR. She, I took her out for a ride once, and I turned to say, are you all right? She got a jumper pulled over her head. Brilliant. <laughs> Your parents sound a bit like my was parents. That, um, so was that, a, was that your entry into cars? Was that through parents or was that just something else? Was it- my dad was a big BMW guy. And right. he had, well, no, actually, he was just a big car person. So we had all sorts of stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, my dad, in my formative car years, by the way, I'm not doing anything weird. My dog is between my legs. <laughs> That's fine. You carry on. Um, uh, yeah, he had, uh, I remember, you know, Five series, M five three fives, six three five sports. You know all the kind of classic stuff now that everybody really likes. Yeah, that's what my dad had. Cool. My mum had R five GT turbos, uh, a few Golf GTI sixteen valves, Mark twos. Oh, cool. Um, like we, the, looking back, if we'd kept all those cars, I'd be oh, in yeah heaven hindsight. Um, because we had all sorts of stuff, and then I just I used to like. I used to write a lot of stories. I used to write kids' stories and stuff and then realised the two things that I really loved in my life were writing and, and cars. Yeah. And then, you know, if there was a if there was an actual thing where a light bulb went, oh, yeah. 
that moment would have been it where I just went, I'm going to be a marine journalist. <laughs> and that was it. So and this, that's what I did. This may come across as a slightly silly question, but I, I ask it to everyone that is involved in the journalism side of cars. And that is, do you enjoy writing? Because we spoke to mm. Alex Goy recently, who you probably know quite well. And Alex yeah. was saying that it's actually part of the job that he, he, he doesn't hate it, but he finds it really hard. I only do it for the writing. So you love it and you find it easy. I'm a writer. Yeah. I'm a writer, not a driver, mm. because I always think that even if I can't drive that well, I tell the story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I can lie. <laughs> so what is it about writing specifically that you find lovely and passionate about? Have you, have you never written anything? It's amazing. Well, it's think, like finding a way. Find it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, finding a way of um, describing something, mm. finding a way of say. So, I always have this big thing about photography and, and words. You, you guys are the law, and I'm the hook. Mm. Like you guys, neither bit works without the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a beautiful image is a beautiful image, but it's singular and it doesn't have any descriptors. Mm. So, you end up interpolating the bits that you think what what is this situation what is going on here the words have to describe it so you should always write the words that make that picture come to life Mm -hmm. you should always work as a team with a photographer any journalist if you're not working with your photography doing it wrong Mm -hmm. but i love stories i love stories and if you can tell stories to people you can set them off down pathways they that you never knew they were going to go down and I've never, ever got bored of writing. That's cool. Ever. But there's some weird stuff. Like if you go on a road trip, you end up just telling people what you've done. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, yeah. But it's there's no imagination in it. But have you never just sat, like, driven down a road and driven and thought, I'm going to drive down there for no other reason yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, there's a tree that I like mm-hmm. or th- it looks interesting. or And I think that's a similar – I assume that's similar for photography. You know when you just see something that interests you? Yep, for sure. It's I call them the almost the filler shots, the things that explain what you're doing. It's not you're not just talking about I am driving this car, it's going this fast, whatever. It's the bit where you're like, oh look at that bit of interesting, whatever. Look at the way that they're holding. What's the feeling? Exactly. It's all all about the emotion, all about the feeling. Yeah, totally get with you. And I think um, some of the best writers and photographers that I know that I read and follow are the ones that make me feel that point, not just tell me the information. Yeah, because the thing is, there's there's a difference between between someone who describes things, a reporter Mm -hmm. and a writer. And there's a difference between, for me, between a photographer and a camera operator. Mm. Yep. So there's different there's different stages of that of both of those arts. Like I love I I if I had to stop, I would just be a writer. And all car, cars are the most appropriate vector for me to enable my writing. Yeah. Because cars are fashion, technology, um, adventure, personal mobility, freedom, um, social, and you know, a- anything you can name, a lot of it can be related back to cars. Look at what's happening. We're in the most exciting five years in the past hundred years of personal transport with the electric revolution and hydrogen, everything that's changing. And it's happening because of personal transport. I mean, it might be that we all have jetpacks. Yay. (laughs) Let's go and do a story about road tripping a jetpack. It doesn't necessarily need to be that thing, but if you give you a vector and a good writer or photographer can nail it. 
And we've all got it in us. People say, oh, I can't write, and it's balls. Mm. Everyone can learn to write. I think people see it as being hard and maybe they get that from school and they think it's difficult and they are afraid of it because they're not perfect straight away Yeah. because they read things and they think I couldn't write like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just get better at it. You learn. That's so true. But it depends how you want to write. Read things. That was, read things. Okay, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's... That, read stuff. For me, um, and I know it, it almost sounds a bit cliche saying it, but for me, I, I didn't really ever think that I could do any writing because I don't, I don't do a lot you know I do bits and pieces here and there and I have written for magazines I hate hearing that I hate hearing that yeah but it wasn't until I started reading certain people's journalism that I realized oh actually this is amazing and for me like so many people it was Clarkson I read a few Clarkson yeah you know, I I enjoy watching Jeremy Clarkson on the television I enjoy occasionally bits and pieces that he puts up on his social media but for me the true joy of Jeremy Clarkson is his written words and the way that he tells a story about something really dull you know it could be something like a new diesel Volvo that he's had on test he can make I think he's one of the only people uh, that's ever written anything that's made me laugh out loud to the point where I've had to wipe away tears of laughter because I can't read what's on the page anymore. And it wasn't until I discovered, oh my goodness me, there are people out there that can, when writing about cars, can evoke that much emotion in somebody that it, it kind of switched the light bulb on in my head and thought, oh, actually I want to have a go at that as well. But the amount of rigour in Jeremy Clarkson's writing is, abs- I used to edit his copy right, right when, it, when he did Top Gear. Yeah. So there's only one... Um, you know, a uh, columnist that we had that was always on time, hmm. always the right amount of words and always spell-checked with no mistakes. And that was Clarkson. Wow. Always. <laughs> never once was he late unless it was something we'd asked him to do late yeah. and never once was anything wrong with his copy. Hmm. And that's because he had journalistic rigour. Yeah. I mean, later on, he started, go- you know, when he's bored, he does caricatures with Jeremy Clarkson. Mm. It's like Jeremy Clarkson ghost writes Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. But there's a lot of effort that goes into making that look that easy. Of course. He's a genius. Yes. He's a genius. Whatever you think about him, his writing is genius. Yes, I agree. And it's like, you know, when there's sun headline writers and caption writers, and you think it must be great just writing those stupid captions all the time. It's a lot harder than it looks. Oh, yeah, absolutely (laughs) right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So um, hit me with this one then, because this is, again, a question, and we won't keep you for too much longer, so I know we've been on this for quite a long time. But there will be a lot of people listening, um, and I say this whenever we talk to photographers or journalists or uh, people that work in an industry where an awful lot of people want to have a go at it. Uh, So journalism is a key one. Yeah, don't. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That's the advice. But I get a lot Don't of messages. Don't touch it with a barge pole. I get a lot. Leave of, it for me. <laughs> I get a lot of messages on my um, things like Instagram direct messages. For whatever reason, a lot of people seem to think I'm a journalist. I'm not. Um, I have written about cars occasionally, and I do give my opinion about cars on video. Every you so are often. a journalist. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, not a proper journalist. one. I'm not a proper anything. Um, but what would? Yeah. You know, I get the question of what would be your advice be to get started in the world, and I can give some very kind of generic write what you like writing about and keep writing and socialise with people that want similar things to you. Um, But as an actual journalist... Are you suggesting people sleep their way to the top? No, goodness me. Absolutely not. It hasn't worked for me. Quite bizarre. (laughs) Just go and 
just go and touch them on the knee. And if every time you say something positive, touch them on the knee. And eventually, it's like cognitive behaviour training. You'll either go to be prison. your friend. You'll either go to prison or you'll be the editor of Top Gear magazine. Sorry, the associate editor. That's the associate That's editor. So what do you say to people then? Well, my generic, my go-to advice is always, if you enjoy, you have to enjoy it, first things first, uh, just like anything you want to excel in in the world, you, it must be fun, it must be enjoyable, it must be something you have a passion for. So I always say, if you enjoy writing, then just keep writing, write and write and write and write. Because like you say, it's a bit like drawing, that's my, the analogy I do, I like doing it. what a, if it's shit? Well, that's the thing. So you, you might want to start sketching and... After two or three sketches, you'll, you'll either think, do you know what, this isn't for me, I'm just not very good at it. That dog looks like a bicycle, yeah. or vice versa. Or you start to progress and you start to get better. The same thing should be with writing. And I'm sure, Amy, you get this a lot with photographers mm-hmm. who would come along you're, and say... Amy, what do you tell people? Similar to what you were saying, John, as well. Like, if you if you absolutely have to love it, like because otherwise you just get completely... You will take bad pictures. I, I take so many bad pictures now and nobody ever sees them. And people, I'm sure you guys, I mean, maybe you don't write anything bad, but... Have you seen what iPhones can do? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, it is exactly. Not worrying at all, but if anything, it's quite encouraging because people can go out with their iPhone now. You don't, you know, with to be a writer, you need a pen and paper, pencil and paper, whatever. You don't need loads of fancy tech. Same with photography. You can go and do an epic job with an iPhone, but you've got to absolutely love it to be able to really go and actually get better because otherwise you do your first drawing whatever and you think meh it's not good I'm not getting any better I just don't want to carry on whereas even if it's bad and you think I know it's bad but I'm really enjoying the process you carry on doing it and then you get better and better so I guess is that the same with writing you start off that isn't very good but I really enjoyed the thought process of getting those words onto paper yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah. I just, I just think people want it to be easier than it is. Oh gosh, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And and they they kind of and also I meet a lot of people who want to be, uh, well, it used to be they just wanted to be Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, there's tiers and different things of, mm. uh, you know, there's not one sort of journalist. No. So saying I want to be a journalist, it's like, oh, what what kind? I mean, if you write for Autocar, that's a completely different mm-hmm. thing to writing for Top Gear. Yeah. If you write for Evo, that's a different thing to writing to Elktane. Yeah. So you kind of got, I just think, identify what you really like and be prepared to take some shit for it. Mm-hmm. Like your craft is you. You're the, the thing that you can sell is you. Yeah. The thing that nobody else is better than you at is you. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's getting a bit meta. No, I know that. that. But it's I, true. It's, it's true. true yeah. You're right, because there's so much, you know, in, in any any bit of written literature, whether you're talking about an adventure you've been on or a car you're reviewing, it's your opinion exactly as you would explain it. If you were down yeah. the pub with your mates, you would talk about that car with your opinions and your quirks and your yeah. tangents. And the and same you with know how you're talking to your mates. If you can, if you can describe it to your mates in a way that they go, "Oh, yes, I kind of get that." Yeah. Then you know that's that's writing. You're just saying it out in the loud words. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> don't be afraid of conversational chat either. That's the yeah, thing. People get true. a bit over formal and it sounds like an instruction book. Mm-hmm. If you can read, if you write something and you read it out loud mm-hmm. and you can read it in a normal voice and it doesn't sound weird, that's good writing as a general rule. Okay. So if you can't read it out loud without it sounding like you've just got the instructions out of an Ikea furniture <laughs> thing, yeah. it's probably wrong. Yeah. But like I said, if you're writing for a factual magazine where facts are more important than feelings, 
you don't want something that's going to be overly flowery yeah. and purple where it's like, and it sounds like the heavens crashing down <laughs> with everybody turning green. It just, <laughs> people get bored. Yeah. You can only be so, there's only so much whimsical you mm. can add to an article. Don't be wh- don't be whimsical. Yeah. <laughs> and also, be again, read. If you read loads of stuff, you'll soon get to know what you like, cadences and, and yeah. kind of. There used to be, in the 40s, there used to be these... Um, these crime novels and they they basically do three word sentences all the time and it created this cadence and you read it and it was like and it's like the jet the pink panther theme (laughs) but you read everything then then there'd be one word sentences and then there'd be a really long sentence and it it actually forces your brain to think differently Mm. so you can play with you can play with all that stuff it's like playing with a lighting rig Mm -hmm. you can change the mood by the way you style a particular sentence yeah. mm-hmm. that but i get fascinated by all that like i i sound a lot cleverer than i am on the page which i love <laughs> nobody knows how manic i am when i'm writing yeah people you can make people think you're clever you can make people think that you can drive cars yeah you can t- you don't have to mention crashing which if sometimes i just don't mention it and then nobody knows because <laughs> i haven't mentioned it. and then photographers bloody get me in trouble <laughs> the way you say sometimes makes it sound like it happens a lot should have paid me. <laughs> so there we have it. If, uh, if if you're looking for advice in that field, hopefully in the past hour and something, we've uh, between a few times. I was going to say, I'm going to have to go because yeah. I've got to make the kids tea. Gonna say, that, there you go. Like... Down to earth with a yeah. bump. <laughs> uh, well, Tom, thank you very much for giving us uh, well over an hour of your time. It's been lovely to see no you, albeit through screens and stuff. And let's try and... We shall meet in person once again. We so. will. And I think when we do... Nobody um, should be around because there'll be some disaster. Yeah, there will be a disaster. So we'll put St John's Ambulance on standby for that occasion. But also, let's try and get a recording together uh, as a podcast, perhaps in person at some point in the future as well. And we'll, we'll... In the truck. Yes, I want to see the truck. Mm. That's all yeah, I'm interested we'll get the truck Come to the truck. Yeah. I'll come to the truck. Awesome. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Tom. Bye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Thank you ever so much for listening to this week's episode of the Driven Chat Podcast. Our thanks again to Tom Wookie Ford for joining us and talking a little bit of cars and quite a lot of nonsense. I do hope that that was as enjoyable for you, the listener, as it was for us. Of course, you have the means to let us know. We occasionally do ask for your support with the the wonderful world of reviews. And again, I know it's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always that straightforward. But if you have got the ability to leave us a short review to tell us that you are enjoying the podcast, it does massive, massive favours for us. Or at the very least, just a star rating. If you can drop us five stars or click the follow button on Spotify, if that's where you're listening, uh, it helps us hugely because the algorithms and supercomputers will will see that and share it with other people that also may be interested in the same talking topics or of course if you're one of these absolute superheroes that sends out a link to a friend if there's dave that you think will really enjoy this week's episode of the podcast then please by all means send a link to dave uh, because we we want him here hi dave if you've just made it you can see everything that we do on social media platforms we are at driven chat across all the platforms and of course we have our youtube channel log on to youtube and have a look at us there driven chat on youtube where you will find plenty of video content and of course the audio files it is just the audio files at the moment for our podcasts that get uploaded onto youtube as well and that's another opportunity for you to uh, leave a comment or write down something if you want us to see it that's a great place to put it finally as we've mentioned in a few previous episodes now 
We have an email address, so you can drop us an email if you want us to cover a particular talking topic. If you have a question for us, uh, be that around the automotive world, the podcasting world, uh, the industry, you name it. Write it down and send it over. Fun fact for you, that email address goes directly to me and my phone. So by all means, blow it up. The address is podcast at drivenchat.com. That's podcast at drivenchat.com. Thank you very much for your company this week. We look forward to bringing you more of the same next week. And in next week's episode, it is a motorcycle episode. It's going to be with Al and Chris from 4040. Chris and Al will be in the studio with me next week. Bye. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.